You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians, brought to you by Ohio vs. Everyone. Ohio vs. Everyone is the brand new sports site that has all of your Ohio sports all in one place. I can speak to the quality of the Indian site. I am a big fan of Matt over there who runs it. So go check out OhioVersEveryone.com. Remember, that's Verse VS. So today's show, uh, I'd already talked about yesterday, we are going to talk about the Twins, but I think we have to start out by talking about some of the trade rumors. And you can't see me doing quote marks because is it really trade rumors or is it just New York writers and Boston writers needing something to write about? That happens often. Uh, Let's start with Boston. So the Boston is looking into deals for the Indians with pitching. Boston's been awful this year. If you're not paying attention, they are 9-20. Their minor leagues are not good. I'd probably rate them among the bottom five in baseball, possibly lower. Uh, Reminder that they took a swing on Christian Arroyo after the Indians designated him. uh, And then he was able to clear waivers for them. It's still with the organization. Their lineup has had struggles there's not a lot of uh, high water marks there, except for guys who are making a lot of money, which is, again, an issue if you're the Cleveland Indians. Kevin Pillar is kind of interesting until you look at the stats and you realize he's been lucky that it, you know, that what he's doing is not sustainable and it doesn't make him a particularly uh, valuable trade asset for anything big. I mean, yeah, maybe you go out and acquire him and hope he stays hot, but you're not going to make him a centerpiece. <laughs> he is a tertiary piece at best. Uh, the name that came up that was absolutely comical is Jackie Bradley Jr. Now, what makes Jackie Bradley Jr. a comical choice for any deal with the Indians is he's an expiring contract. So you're only getting him for this short bit of this year. Uh, he's making $11 million, which isn't a ton, but for a team like the Indians is a decent amount. Now, again, you have to do all the figuring out what the prorated amount is and how much he's owed. But let's just get into it. Expiring contract. The last time he had a runs created plus that was league average or better 2016 he had one in 2015 2016 hasn't had one since the defense at center field has been good this year the fan defensive metric is not super high uh, it has declined over the last two years but he's a below league average bat who gives you good defense in center field and is expiring and makes a lot of money yeah is oscar mercado worse than him probably right now is delano de shields worse than him probably right now but even his WRC plus isn't that far right now from what Delano DeShields' career is, and DeShields gives you better base running and about the same defense, maybe better. So Jackie Bradley Jr. has virtually no trade value, so any deal to the Indians for him is just poorly thought out and someone in the Boston market trying to come up with an article. Boston trying to make a deal, so let's just look at it. Jeter Downs is the number one prospect who they got in their recent trade, Tristan uh, Tristan Cassis is up there as well, who was a former first-round pick. I think he was a supplemental pick. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, I've never been huge on back to his, I think, Arizona days. I always tend to mess up Arizona and Arizona State. A lot of swing and miss, but a lot of power. I did love Matthew Lugo, who they drafted a few years ago, who's lower on the list. Tanner Houck, I got to see pitch at Missouri. Those are kind of the, the big names. It's not a minor leagues where you're jumping up and down to acquire any of these players. There's not a blue chipper in the lot. Um... Cassis and Downs are definitely top 100 guys, but, and then, you know, you go and you look at them as a team. We talked about Pilar is playing well. Mitch Moreland is playing well, but the Indians have so many first base DH types. Uh, J.D. Martinez is playing well, but he is very expensive. Alex Verdugo is playing well, but 
while he is an interesting player in terms of his production, there is the negative side with him. You can go and do the the web search and find you know some of the articles that came out um, about things he was involved in. Uh, Raphael Devers is struggling a bit. Could he be on the trade block? Maybe I don't know. I mean, he's been hot of late. Uh, Xander Bogarts would be an, actually an interesting guy for the Indians to try to chase, but he has an opt out um, after the 2021 season. Makes 20 million a year. He's undoubtedly will opt out into that class of players. Uh, if that wasn't there, you're like, okay, 20 million's a lot, but for the shortstop position, it might have been valuable to try to consider chasing him. So it's, I, I, you know, Matt Barnes has been an effective reliever in the past. We're not seeing it this year. The bullpen hasn't been good for them. The starters hasn't been good. Starters haven't been good for them. What does Boston have to offer? And I think the answer is nothing. Clevenger, Plesak, they make no sense to Boston. Unless there's someone the Indians really like that I don't know about. Kind of like with Class A, where I was not, I was a little bit blown away where he was the centerpiece. So let's now flip gears to the other rumor, the New York Yankees. The Yankees have more to play with, but at the same time, if you look at the Fangraphs list of prospects, I mean, of their top five, four of them have uh, the highest, three of the top five have not gotten out of rookie ball. And then the other one, the highest he's played at, is uh, low A. You do have Debbie Garcia, but I've talked about his size and his control. I mean, those are two massive, scary red flags on a guy. Uh, it makes it hard for me to to want to make him a centerpiece for anything big. Clint Frazier comes up all the time with Indians fans. He's been given so many opportunities and never been able to take advantage of it. He's a guy who presses. Uh, he gets to the big leagues and he presses and he starts swinging out of his shoes and what made him effective in the minors, what made him this guy that I made him the number one prospect in the Cleveland system, was he slowed the game down. He started to walk more, and being more patient allowed him to access his power. He gets to the big leagues. That walk rate, walk percentage cuts in half. The strikeout rate jumps up. It's not surprising to see those numbers you know, go that way, but the rate at which they change just shows me a guy who gets up there and feels like he's got to hit everything out of the park to stick. He is clearly pressing, and he gets to the big leagues. I don't know yet, even if he is an everyday outfielder i don't think we know that he is a secondary piece in any deal you know the other name that comes up is miguel anjuar who is so effective this year with a yankees team that is beat up and playing uh you know players all over you know mike talkman is someone who's played over frazier the past few years i mean guys are passing frazier with anjuar uh he's he's down in the on alt site you know he had that one year where we all knew he was playing well over his head and it evened out and came back and i don't know what his trade value is and that's where i kind of look at the yankees and i'm like i don't see yes there's a way a deal makes sense there's a high risk deal that makes sense but you know we talked about the mets yesterday they make more sense i talked about colorado they make more sense you can do a better deal that's what it comes down to you can do a better deal than with these two teams the one guy i would uh want to maybe consider going out and trying to get from them if the Yankees are desperate enough and feel like they, uh, you know, the Indians can press it, is Chad Green. I do want to see when Chad Green's contract expires. That is the one thing. But he has had he hasn't had any starts recently. But I feel like last year he had a start or two. Just been utterly dominant out of the back of the pen. Not a free agent until 2023. So you're getting him for 20, 21, and 22. It's a two and a half year rental. Uh, any deal for me uh, for one of our starters? I need Chad Green as probably the centerpiece back. So I'm probably asking for something like Chad Green, Clint Frazier, and then a third piece. Uh, I don't know who that third piece would be. I'd probably look for someone who's been uh, a productive hitter in the minors who might be a little undervalued, uh, someone along those lines. But that's, for me at least, that is what a deal looks like with those two teams. So 
Second half of the show today, we're going to dive into the stat cast of the Twins. We'll talk about their injuries. And yes, I know when this posts, the Indians will have already played game one. But uh, the previews have been something that fans like a lot. So I want to keep giving that to you. A lot of people apologize. I want people to know. I didn't take any offense to people coming at me about Tristan McKenzie. Uh, you know, I, if I mess up, come at me. That's fair. I make loud proclamations. You're allowed to tease and poke. Uh, I wasn't offended in the lightest. I wasn't bothered in the slightest. Um, go ahead. Uh, I just, I'm also going to, you know, come back here and on the podcast explain my thoughts. But no offense taken. Uh, as long as you're not swearing at me, we're good. You know, as long as you're not out there. Um, constantly you know swearing at me or just trying to make a point uh, no matter what i say uh we're good i'm not even remotely offended by anything so I, please no one no one think i was built bar is back and they have some fantastic new flavors you know i'm a fan of built bar i have some in the pantry that uh, my uncle built us when we bought our new house they sit down there and i've been saving them because for us school starts next week and i'm gonna have to start heading in and we're not allowed to have uh, you know, personal fridges or any of that stuff. So if I need energy and I need something that's going to be filling and taste good and give me energy and our schedules are crazy, it's it's a crazy time of year as a teacher. And that is why Built Bar is perfect. I'm going to load my bag up with Built Bar. So when I have that downtime, when I have that moment, I can eat one of these bars and get the nutrients I need and I can get that energy refill to help me get through the day. Uh, Bill Bar is going to be sponsoring the beginning of my school year. Uh, they may not know that, but they are. So right now, when you go to BillBar.com, you can check out those six new flavors. Let me read them off real quick to you. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. You can get 10% off. So you're going to go to BillBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you get $10 off your next order. And you can keep using that code over and over again. There is no reset on it. And while supplies last... They might already be out, but you can still, maybe you'll get lucky. You get a free cooler with your purchase. That's only while supplies last. So you want to go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code locked on, get $10 off your order today. So before I go into the twins, uh, Tito will not manage this series. Uh, he is continuing to have health issues. I wouldn't be surprised if he just sets it, if he ends up being done for the year. Uh, at some point with the risks and his continued struggles, it just doesn't make sense uh, for him to keep trying to come back. So I don't know. And then you wonder if Tito's nearing the end of managing. And Sandy Almar has not been good in this role. He has been quite bad in the role. And you can see, again, he's had a lot of interviews. And people kept expecting Sandy to get picked off as a manager. And that hasn't happened. And I think we're seeing why. So I'd be curious to see what this analytical front office would do. Who would they go for? I, I don't know who the candidate is. I don't know who it could be if Tito decides to call it quits, um, if he gets to the point where he just can't do it. But just something to keep in mind. I did want to address that at this point in time, as it was a bit of news that came up today. I am recording this in the early afternoon, so if something comes up, I just wanted to be on Front Street in case you're like, why didn't Jeff talk about this on the podcast? Uh, it's almost 3.30 Eastern time as I'm recording Right now, we have a lot of minor things occurring. Uh, players going back and forth. It is interesting. I mean, the deadline right now seems to be all about pitching. The Angels with Dylan Bundy. Will they flip him? He's had a really great small start this year. I've talked about Spencer Turnbull and what an interesting arm he is. He should be one of the more talked about guys with the Tigers at the deadline. Lots of teams need pitching. Lots and lots of teams need pitching. There aren't Clevengers and Plesaks out there for the most part. And that's why if the Indians can strike they will specifically of clevenger i don't see a world where they trade police act they just have too much control 
and they know enough to know that like or there is a world where they trade him where they think that what he has done this year is an aberration so high right he was so good to start the year he was beyond anything we'd ever seen in his past if the indians feel is a little bit of an aberration that that's not the true him Trading Plesak now would make a lot of sense, right? You're selling at max value. His value will never get higher if he comes back and becomes the guy he was last year or just a slightly improved version of what he was last year. That's a back-end starter. This year, he started out one of the top pitchers in baseball. So there, if the Indians move Plesak, I think that is a referendum on what they think he is long-term. So just keep that in mind, and we'll keep talking the Indians and pitching because that is what teams need, and that's what keeps popping up on these discussions. So... Time to talk Twins with a little bit of time that we have remaining on the show. The Twins are currently still first in the division. They are 19 and 10. They have struggled with injuries and effectiveness. Uh, Mitch Garver, as we talked about yesterday, 10-day disabled list. Brian Buxton is on the disabled list. Josh Donaldson is on the disabled list. Homer Bailey, one of their big additions, is on the 60-day DL. Uh, Lewis Thorpe, who actually pitched pretty well against the Indians, has been sent to the minors. Uh, Zach Littell, who was an effective reliever for them a year ago, is on the 10-day injured list. Cody Stashak, who was an up-and-down guy for them, 10-day injured list as well. Jacob Rizzi, who was an all-star for them, they give a qualifying offer, 10-day uh, DL as well. He's made three appearances this year, just 10 innings, so that's been less than effective for them. Jose Barrios has struggled a bit. He has not been the same guy he was in the past. Um, I'd have to do a deep dive and look at exactly... You know, is he, the walk rate is high, the home run rate is high, are those higher than they were a year ago? Kenta Maeda has been fantastic. They have zero regrets on their end of that deal with what Maeda has done and with that cheap contract he has. Uh, Randy Dobnek has been unbelievable, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I don't know how he can, I'm not going to leave it at that. <laughs> I don't know how he can keep it up, let's put it that way. His FIP is a little over four. He's not even striking out five per nine. The walk is great. The home run rate is almost one, which is okay. I mean, it's it's solid anymore. The hit rate at seven. He's not missing bats. Somehow he's getting really good results on all those balls being put in play. And that is typically more of a thing that shows you disaster. So uh, he looks very lucky in the early going. Maeda, on the other hand, looks really good. So right now they have one guy performing kind of more at the front end level. I mean, technically they have two, but they have one where we're pretty sure that's going to fall apart on him and taylor rogers again it's it's been a struggle for him in the early going uh his home run rate walk rate strikeout rate fine but he's getting hit he's very easily getting hit a 12 over 12 hits per nine is a very high rate so that is less than ideal tyler clippert has been awesome for then uh he was great for the indians a year ago uh duffy may and romo have all been solid so I spoke out my back end when I said they're having pen struggles. They're not. Their pen has been pretty spectacular for them this year. So it just comes down to the hitters. And we've talked about, I mean, three guys were expected to be everyday starters are currently hurt. So let's go over to those advanced statistics. And when you look at those, who jumps out positively? Nelson Cruz. The ageless wonder continues to be uh, just a dynamite player. And that is all there. He's in the upper percentage of multiple stats, including barrel percentage, where he's in top 9%. Miguel Sanio, uh, or Sano, I should say, is top 5% in a few things. He's top 1% in barrel percentage, top 1% in exit velocity. He is squaring up. Now, his expected batting average is bottom 4, 
So it's going to be a low batting average, but he is just demolishing balls he actually can uh, get in contact with. Jorge Polanco has seen his numbers go down, and he has very low hard hit and exit velocity. Same story with uh, Luis uh, Adres, their second baseman. It was a big part of their production a year ago, and they're just not quite combining. And Mitch Garver is really, even when he was healthy, he was massively struggling. Uh, Ryan Jeffers, people are getting very excited by his early production. We'll get a chance to see him in this series. But on the whole, their offense is not where it was a year ago. I think that is a very safe thing to stay, and that is part of their problem. When we go over to the pitching stat cast, the star of the show, Tyler Clippard. Top 2% in hard hit percentage, top 6% in exit velocity. I really hope the Indians would have kept him, but he was uh, not someone they decided to keep, and the Twins right now are getting a steal of a value for him. Matt Whistler, who's bounced around as a like a potential starter most of his career, has been very effective in that pen as well. And then, as has Tyler Duffy in terms of those stats. And Kenta Maeda has some good numbers there. Uh, Trevor May, who statistically looks great, is someone you can hit the ball really hard off of, is what the data shows here in hard hit and exit velocity. And the rest of their pitchers, it's just kind of league average. It's nothing that really spikes or stands out, except for Randy Dobnik being the... Uh, top 10% of the league in uh, one of those advanced stats I need to do more research on. I'm not going to talk out my my backside if I don't really understand it. It doesn't accomplish anything. So we'll have to see. uh, He does have one category where he stands out. And then let's just talk about the defense and what we can find from their fielding, things like fielding and running percentages. What I'm seeing is this Twins team is not as good as they were a year ago just going through this. Uh, they're just not they're not performing at that same level as we saw them do last year. They are still hitting home runs, and there are players who are playing really well, but they've been hurt. Um, going over the data against the Royal series that uh, Zahn brought up, that you know it's like they struggle against lefties. That is a built-in problem with that team right now. Sprint speed: Marwin Gonzalez surprisingly bottom two percent of the league, while Brian Buxton unsurprisingly top one percent of the league. That's right; their catchers are running faster than Marwin Gonzalez right now. Uh, I guess we just don't have enough fielding data to find it for this season. They have a plus forty run differential, but again, what I would point out is they are human. You know, a year ago they looked like a juggernaut team to me. Uh, they the lineup top to bottom was just every single spot. There was not a weak spot in that lineup. There was not a player where I thought you could let up on. And you look at the team now, and Alex Avila has been a solid fill-in, but catcher is a problem. Shortstop and second base have uh, regressed mightily this season. They expected that elevation at third base with the big signing, and they haven't gotten that. Brian Buxton has not been able to stay healthy. Uh, Rosario and Kepler are kind of, you know, doing what they do. They're still effective uh, in those spots. But really, in terms of the guys who are being the overperformers, you have four hitters. It's it's Sano, it's Rosario, it's Kepler, and it's Cruz. Beyond that, everyone else is around the league average or lower level. This isn't that murderous row we saw a year ago. And then the starting pitching just feels a little shakier due to injuries, due to players that can't play, like Pineda. Uh, Maeda has been great for them, but he does have a long history of getting hurt. We'll see if he can hold up under the, the stress of this year. Jose Barrios is not looking like the same guy of a year ago. Jake Odorizzi has not been healthy. We'll see if Randy Dobnik can keep it up. 
relying on 40-year-old Rich Hill as their number four starter right now is not ideal. They went out and gave, you know, Hill and Homer Bailey and then re-signed uh, Pineda, but Pineda is suspended for the year because of his previous testing positive. Hill is, as I pointed out, 40 and has largely been ineffective this year. And Homer Bailey is on the 60-day DL. He's not coming back for any time in the uh, conceivable future. So the Twins are a team that kind of on the down low could uh, use some pitching help. I don't think you go out looking for any extra hitters. You hope the guys are going to even out. But if you are an Indians fan right now, you can't feel like the Twins are necessarily the better team. I still would take the Indians starters over the Twins. I would take the Twins pen, and I would take the Twins lineup. But there are spots in the lineup where I'd favor the Indians, even right now with some of the struggles that uh, Cleveland has had. People like the whole one-on-one matchup thing. So let's go do that very quickly to kind of end the show, as it were. So let's just start it, catcher, and go out. With a healthy Roberto Perez and with the Twins being down to Alex Avila, uh, it, with no Garver in place, I'd give the advantage to the Indians right now, even with Perez's struggles. Uh, Avila's been okay, hasn't been great, and the defense you get with Perez gives advantage Indians. Move to first base. This is probably one of the harder positions to debate when you're trying to figure this out, just because of the fact that Carlos Santana has been so steady, so good, and he's been an elite defender this year. He's really picked it up, whereas... You know, uh, Sano is the better hitter overall, but not the defender. So I'm going to actually give this one a push because defense does have value. When you look at something like uh, runs created plus this year, Santana is a 101. Sano is a 132. So it's a negative defensive value there. You know, I have to, I'm going to give it to the Twins. I'm taking it back. Sano has been really good. Uh, Santana has been... A little up and down in, in his value and while he's the better defender I think you have to go with the twins there if you're being fair moving to second base uh, for the twins you're looking at uh, Reyes <clears throat> if that is how you pronounce his name who's having like I said a bit of a regression year for them this year you're looking at his runs created plus at an 84 hop over to Cleveland you're talking Cesar Hernandez he's at a 108 so that is advantage Cleveland uh, Hernandez has always been a solid defender uh, Arez is a solid defender as well. So you're giving Cleveland the advantage. So right now Cleveland is up by one. Moving to shortstop, it's Lindor. I don't care how he's playing. That's an advantage Cleveland situation. For this series, Marwin Gonzalez versus Jose Ramirez, it's advantage Cleveland. So that gives Cleveland a three-spot lead on the infield, which they certainly need. But uh, even with Donaldson back, I don't know if that changes that value position with as good as Jose Ramirez has been uh, at this point in time. Outfield, uh, so if everything's going, you got Buxton, who's an elite defender in center, and below average bat, you've got uh, Kepler, who's a good defender and a solid hitter, brings uh, value at both those places, and Rosario, who's a terrible defender but a good hitter. Uh, All three spots give them an advantage. That completely balances out those spots for the Cleveland Indians. Uh, The advantage they had on the infield, they lose in the outfield because the Indians' outfield is so bad. Franmil Reyes has been great this year. He has been the Indians' best hitter. Uh, I ragged on him in the early going. He has a bat pip that is completely unsustainable and is going to crash to earth at some point. But let's just enjoy the production while we can. For as good as Franmil Reyes has been, though, the Indians can't win this position because Nelson Cruz has been arguably the best hitter in baseball at points of this season. He has just obliterated baseballs. 
if Franmo is in the outfield, I might give him the advantage over, uh, say, someone like Rosario. So if you do that, then all of a sudden the Indians are up one heading into the other categories. This is, I mean, there's no doubt Cruz is the better DH. You can't even compete. So that gives them a one nothing advantage. Indians take the advantage in starters. Twins get the advantage in pen. So that gives them a one-spot lead. Uh, you can argue the value of the starter or the reliever being worth more or less. I'm not going to get into that now. This is just me going in a positional one-on-one. But long story short, with me being, I feel like, pretty fair in this, uh, it's a one-spot advantage. This is a series that the Indians should have a, a good opportunity to win. They should have a good opportunity to compete. The Twins looked better a year ago, in in my opinion. And in this series, it's... Saval, Savali versus Maeda, Bieber versus Hill, Pletko versus Berrios. I mean, clear advantage on the Tuesday game. Monday game, I would probably give the Indians maybe a slight advantage. And then Monday is more of a push, if I'm being honest. Uh, Savali has been better than Maeda, so I'm probably going to lead towards the Indians and a pitching advantage there. And Wednesday is just, I mean, I've talked about my lack of trust of Pletko. Off day Thursday, we'll see what they do. Um, You know, Monday is that trade deadline. How, when are they going to call someone up? After Wednesday, I think they can call someone up, or maybe on Wednesday they can call someone up. So we'll see what they decide to do, either on Wednesday or Thursday, Thursday being the off day with those guys who are now down in the lower minors. Well, in the off site, there is no lower minors long show today. I hope you enjoyed it. I wanted to get the preview out. I wanted to talk about what has been hot around the league today. Um, any and all comments. I always love hearing from people. I am not offended in the slightest by any of it. I have been Jeff Ellis. You've been a fantastic audience as always. This has been Locked on Indians and as always, go Tribe!